to episode 46 of Beers, Business, and Balls, as always, presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today is Thursday, April 8th. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. We've got Kim Anderson, the founder of Plant City Providence. We've taken a little hiatus for a couple of weeks. There's some guests shuffling around and trying to figure out what we're going to run. And we've, we've got a couple of good ones stocked up now, and we are ready for a nice conversation with Kim. Yeah, no, Kim Anderson is great. If you are from the Rhode Island area or New England as a whole, you probably have heard of Plant City, um, plant-based restaurant, kind of like an eatily. They have a few different um, eating establishments within the umbrella building downtown Providence. And it's a fun, fun time. She was a great interview, talks about her business strategy, uh, the reasons to go plant-based or even just to try it, and the growth that she's going to have in the near future. It's uh, some exciting stuff. But yeah, it's been a few weeks. Um, a lot has happened. I mean, if you're under a rock, you probably <laughs> might have noticed that Baylor won the national championship. Baseball's back. The Masters is this week. Um, a lot of a lot of great stuff. But we're back. Um, a lot of great a lot of great guests in the near future. I mean, we're talking from you know beer owners and craft beer locations. Maybe some live interviews there again. Hell yeah! Bringing back some familiar faces for our one year anniversary that's coming up uh next week or the week after yes. we still haven't figured that out it's <laughs> april april 2020 was a year ago and now we are at one year of the bbb podcast and uh some more business news and some sports personalities a lot just a lot of great people and we hope you enjoy those conversations yeah for sure we we really haven't figured out how we're we've been in business for a year it's been 51 weeks yeah Isn't that nuts 51 weeks. We've uh, pretty damn close to 52 episodes, too, which is really cool. This is 46. You know, you got to figure a couple of weeks you fell behind. All things considered, I mean, it's been it's been a hell of a run. And we've got some, we've got a fun little bonanza for our, our year anniversary. And as we prepare for one full year of beer reviews, might as well make it our 46th beer review here. So go ahead. All right, so in honor for baseball being back, I drank this past weekend the Blue Point Brewing Company's uh, Pinstripe Pilsner. Mm. It's coated in Yankee pinstripes, of course. Um, it was kind of just an ode to the season return, and I'm happy for baseball to be back. I am not a Pilsner guy, to be completely honest. I just think it lacks a lot of taste. It's very light. Um, there's a lot of more craft beer selections that you're going with, but you know what? Ode to the Yankees. We'll cheers off to that. So the Pinstripe Pilsner, uh, the description they have, just some Pilsner's, Pilsner malt and Motaic hops. The bright golden Pilsner is crisp, clean, and balanced with a hint of lime. I mean, all of those are true. Um, I'm not going to bash a Pilsner because of my own personal palate preferences. That's a little tongue twist. But <laughs> three, two, five for me. Uh, Blue Point has a, a great, a great selection of stuff. I really enjoy their, uh, toasted lager. It's like one of their staple beers. You can get a draft pretty much anywhere in Long Island and New York. And Yankee Stadium. Um, and Yankee Stadium. I mean, they're a proud partner with the Yanks as well. So three, two, five, but baseball's back. The Yankees are back. So is the Pinstripe Pilsner. Have you had Pinstripe Pilsner at Yankee Stadium? Oh, of course. I've had it. Actually, I don't know that I have. I think I've just had toasted lager there and... Very good. It's like a very good beer to drink on a hot day where you're out at the stadium. You're Yeah, I mean, that's a Pilsner in general. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say, you just for those that obviously can't see us, we'll just stopped talking and 
just looked at me. No, because we're doing, <laughs> you know, we're recording these shows on our schedule and people are just like, let's go get dinner. It's, I guess it's dinner I, time. It's but. dinner time. I mean, it's 5.49 on a Wednesday night. So it's whatever. Yeah. But yeah. What are, what are you drinking? <laughs> while are I try you asking to, the... Yeah, while I try to answer. deal with this. You deal with dinner. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get anything, mind you. So say whatever you want. Um, we went to Revival. We have talked about Revival constantly on this show. They just opened up a place um, a couple of blocks away from where we live, which is nice. And... Walked in, uh, it was you, Paige, and, and our friend Zach, and myself. We walked, uh, having a little Sunday in Providence, went to the distillery, Industrial Spirits Company, by the way, it's incredible. Um, walked over to Revival, brand new location. It is very, very different from the location in Cranston from before, as some of you may have heard us talk about, you know, with the Brutopia section with uh, a bunch of food and things like that they're kind of in like a what do you even call that it's like some industrial park not a warehouse but it has like warehouse vibes in the inside it just looks like it was like an old distribution factory it does and i got it's a little weirded out because it's not entirely finished and i'll post some pictures down the road but it's it's a weird spot now that being said they took over their beer which is good they they brought they haven't changed anything in their beer and they added to their collection a collaboration beer with Union Station Brewery uh, right down the road from us as well. It's called Phoenix Rising. It's listed as a sour and like a Berliner Weiss. And I got vibes. It was definitely a sour beer. Let me go on the record. It was very thick. Mm -hmm. It was very thick. It had blueberries, vanilla I was tasting. They say cinnamon on here. I, I kind of get that. I didn't taste any cinnamon, though. I, it was a little hint of, like, spicy almost. And I think that's where they might be pulling that from. But, yeah, it was Revival and Union Station that collabed on it. It's a kettle-soured ale, so they threw it in a kettle with some other spirit or at some point. A um, lot of blueberries. And, oh, they actually put cinnamon in it. Okay, so that's, that's where we're getting that. Crisp and bright. Effervescent, as they say on Untapped, tastes like blueberry jam, blueberry creamsicle, blueberry cobbler, and everything blueberry. I, ironically enough, I didn't even taste that much blueberry. I thought it was just fruity and thick, which honestly, great dessert sour beer. I gave it a four. I enjoy drinking it. Uh, that's one of my favorite um, beers from Revival to uh, you know to drink. So I loved it. What was their original beer that they had? That's like the pink one. Pinky Swear, probably. Yeah, I think it was like a an off version or a secondary version of Pinky Swear. Maybe they just used Pinky Swear yeah. and brewed it with whatever the fuck Union Station wanted to. That's what I think they did. But, I mean, they're still in the introductory phases of this new location. Um, no food yet. The menu, though, did look like um, a lot of gluten-free, dairy-free options, which is polar opposite of what they had oh at Brutopia. Yeah. I mean, like, hands did, like, up. Mac Bru- and yeah, Brutopia and was one of the best, <laughs> like, you know, foods at a craft brewery in the entire state like hands down they had some really great stuff kind of reminded me of a lot of like chomp or federal uh federal hill tap house yeah um so it'll be interesting to see i hope they you know can open up soon and start brewing again because they just had whatever they had in cans and a couple couple small selections because they usually have like 20 or 30 beers in their portfolio yeah they do very sour based yep and they were selling hammer for two bucks that's you know i'm listen Whatever's your cup of tea, that's fine. I'm not going to a brewery to get Hammer, which HAMR, it's got the little shark tank on it, or the shark fin on it, and 
it's it's not that great. It's a light pilsner. It's like you know maybe three max. I'd say. I don't know. It's two two dollars. Like if you're going to a brewery and you are getting beer because it's two dollars, then maybe back up. Yeah, but it'll that's, be interesting. That's to our see. expensive taste, though. Um, that's it for beer. We just bottled our stout, and it's not going to be ready for a bit. So who knows? I've been told the the longer you let it sit in the bottle, the better it tastes. So maybe it'll be a perfect like cold day in October. We break that shit out. Yeah. So exciting stuff there. We have some more beer brewing up. Uh, we have our special collaboration, which will be dropped sometime next week, and we'll give more information with that. So stay tuned. And if you have anything you want us to try and just expand House Brewing Company, let us know. Yes, sir. All right, business. Uh, Kim Anderson of Plant City has been all over the place in terms of businesses and ideas and general success. Now her latest project is Plant City. For those of you that don't know what Plant City is, uh, I've actually never been to Plant City. I'll, I'll go on Very record. good. Very good. It is very good. Um, the reviews are all very consistent. All plant-based foods, but you would not know from the way they taste. You're not lacking anything in in taste or anything. I know you got the waffles from a couple yeah, of weeks ago, right? Yeah, waffles are fire. What are they, so what were the waffles? Like, how are they plant-based, though? Is it... Did they just um, take plant proteins or some shit? We should have asked her. We should have asked her what it was, <laughs> but I know it was just like, like the whipped cream was like... Uh, Oh, vegan, probably vegan, creme yeah, fresh, like stuff like that. Sure. Um, but I know it was like protein based in general. Uh, they had like just a whole variety of stuff that was just like very, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if yeah. you didn't see the name, if it was just called city instead of plant city and you walked in, you wouldn't know anything was really plant based. And I mean, what Kim talks about too, is a lot of it is the ethical sourcing behind it too. So that, that probably has a lot to do with it. It's just sourced like the fruit I'm sure is just sourced from locally and with a certain amount of ethical standards. So very cool interview with Kim. We talk a lot about her career and how she got to where she is, and, and she even drops a couple of hints on what's next, too. So here is Kim Anderson from Plant City. All right, everybody, with us this week, we have a name that is well-known in the Rhode Island community. Um, if you're a foodie, you have definitely have probably stopped at this establishment in Providence. Kim Anderson, one of the founders of Plant City Providence, and later Plant City X, which we'll get deeper into. But Kim, how are you today? I'm um, great. Thank you guys so much for inviting me tonight. Of course. So we're very happy to have you on. We're fans of Plant City. We've gone a few times while living in Providence. Um, and we'll get into what Plant City is, but I guess we'll start with the loaded question, the hard-hitting stuff. You know, Tell our listeners, who is Kim Anderson? Sure. Hey, so um, Kim Anderson, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. Um, more recently in the last decade, a social entrepreneur. So I believe that if you can scale a business rapidly enough with a baked in mission that, that matters to the world, you can grow something pretty quickly that can actually move the needle on a, on a paradigm or a global issue that you have concern about. Um, my daughter and I had a company 10 years ago um, that she was really upset about the chemicals and personal care products for humans and the environment. And so we, she asked for our help to support in that and we grew a direct sales company with the safest full line of organic and natural personal care products from zero to 60 million in about five years um so that was our first foray into how to really even like change chemical policy and 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 make a dent in something that that was really important through a business kim i think the not everyone comes out of the womb and says, you know, I, I want to be, you know, I want to own a restaurant called Plant City, or I want to go into social entrepreneurship or something like that. So tell us originally, 
What was it that you wanted to do when you grew up and, and why was that the case? You know, I went to college in um, Ohio at Denison University for advertising and economics. And about halfway through, I had a summer job working in a really cool clothing store. And I just decided I loved marketing, retailing, dealing with people, helping people. And, and I really loved it. And so I had a business in my 20s in the clothing af industry after I worked for um, Macy's as a cosmetic buyer in Manhattan. Um, then I had a, um, a home store in my 30s that was called Teapots and Tassels in Barrington. And I literally started that. My husband and I built the fixtures ourselves and borrowed some money against a life insurance policy and filled it with inventory and just went. And um, I, I built that to about a, a million dollars a year. But the most fun with that is that I had about 18 employees that were young moms like me and, and high school kids in the afternoon. And these people to this day are, are my dearest friends. You know, um, it was a lot of fun. I was able to give back to the community in so many ways while raising my children uh, in an entrepreneurial environment. And they are both now also very entrepreneurial because of it. So you have the background, a lot of different experiences, a lot of different paths that brought you to Plant City. And we want to get into the inception and like the concept of Plant City and how you created that. But tell us, um, for people that might not know, what is Plant City and give us, you know, the ideas in the background of the restaurant. Sure. So after we sold my daughter's business, um, we sat back and said, you know what, let's just give it some time. We'll figure out where the Anderson family can impact next. And our son graduated from uh, Dartmouth College, came home and said, is an environmental studies major and said, you know, when you have a family of means, you have an obligation to impact invest against climate crisis. Really great. We're, we're all in. We totally agree with you. Show us what to do and how. And my husband was running our family office. He's like, great, Kim, you go figure it out because you have time and I don't. So I literally went to every conference, every summit, every everything I could find about impact investing, ESG, sustainability, greenwashing, whitewashing, everything I could learn about how to make an impact in this space. And we were able to make some pretty nice investments in solar, wind. We, we're now just into um, actually our first fund that's um, carbon sequestration, which is very exciting. And they just made their first investment. So the last six, six years, seven years, we've been in impact investing against climate. And then my son came to us about a year into that and said, you know what? It's going to be a long time before everybody has solar and wind and, the, and we have a grid to handle it. It's going to be a long time before everybody has an EV. Okay, that we're going to move in that direction, but we don't have time. We must reduce these climate numbers now. And the fastest way to do it is to invest in plant-based food companies. We're like, what? <laughs> and, then he, and then he said, you know what? For Christmas, I don't want any gifts. I don't want any presents. I just want you to watch these movies. And we watched um, Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy. And if you would told me that morning, I would have been a vegetarian. I would have called you a liar. And yet the morning we called him up and we're like all right we're plant-based what did you eat for breakfast and we'll figure it out from there and we immediately made a, a hard pivot to investing in things like beyond meat impossible burger alpha burritos and so we we have a two-pronged strategy we do beyond uh, the, the plant-based foods but we also do the cellular ag so um i don't know if you've seen this new amazing movie called seaspiracy but um it's it's very disheartening but incredibly important to watch we are very invested in the plant-based side of fish as well as the cellular side of fish. So um, we're working really hard on solutions to that. A few years into that work, I started a group called Powered by Plants RI about five years ago because 
I felt like the easiest way to help people move over to plant-based was to talk about the health issue. Humans are selfish beings. We care about ourselves. The, this diet pulls a lot of levers, but the most important one was health. So it's about health and healthcare costs, right? So this is the only diet known to scientifically prevent 11 of the 15 things that kill Americans and suicide, murder, and accident, unfortunately, are the top three. So it's really, really important to know that there's the science behind this. And then not only that, but it's the only diet known to scientifically reverse potentially the two top killers of Americans, which is cardiac disease and type two diabetes. It's also between 19 and 35% of global greenhouse gases is coming from an animal agriculture system and its externalities. It's also a social justice issue that people that uh, wake up one morning and don't decide that they're going to work in this, this uh, field of slaughtering 7 billion land animals a year, they're, they're forced to it. It's a minority and an immigrant population out of the prying eyes of cities and deep in communities. And these people are physically and mentally ill from this work as well as their communities are physically ill as well. It's really like an Aaron Brockovich kind of situation. Um, and then obviously there's animal ethics, but you know, we don't pay attention to that much. And I get it. It's no judgment. I was there until I was 54. And then the last one is preventing pandemics. You know, we've sat with Dr. Michael Greger, who's in most of those movies and who wrote the book, How Not to Die. He's originally an infectious disease doc, did a book on pandemics. Nobody read it 15 years ago. And he sat with me this summer and he said, Kim, this was the dress rehearsal. We got a 1% death rate. The next one's going to come from one of these really highly packed animal agriculture, um, industrial farms. And it, it's not going to have a 1% death rate. It's going to be a lot more and it's going to be really, really bad. And so I feel like we are trying to move the needle and show the world how can I how can we show the world what a global sustainable food system looks like. So um, I, I moved about 300 people personally in four years from animal to plant based eating, and they all said the same thing to me: Kim, I can do this at home, but I can't do it when I go out. I'm a social pariah. I'm the odd man out. I'm sitting at the end of the table. My friends are rolling their eyeballs at me. My family doesn't want to go to dinner with me. So I thought, okay, there's got to be another way. What's the business that solves for this, that shows people a sustainable food system and that makes it easier for everybody? And I don't want to do a vegan restaurant or a plant-based restaurant because I've never been in the restaurant industry. I've got to do something bigger. So um, our family is friends with Matthew Kenny. He's the top plant-based chef in the world out of LA. We're really big fans of his restaurants in New York and LA. And every time we would go back to Rhode Island, we'd be like, damn, we missed that food. And so, I, you know, it's just my husband works on South Main Street in uh, Providence and three doors down was this amazing old building, the old mile and a quarter house. Ugly as sin inside and outside, really <laughs> an eyesore. It was a steakhouse and a strip club. I mean, what's the what is the like <laughs> that? Um, and so I just wrote him a one pager and I said, Matthew, I want to take. Matthew has 20, 40 restaurants now, eight he's opened during COVID on five continents. And four or five of them were our favorites in New York. And I said, I want to open a food hall where we have all of those restaurants under one roof and add a marketplace and a community center and a bakery and a coffee bar. And, um, and he was like, I'm in 10 minutes. He wrote me back. He said, I'm in, I've always wanted to do that. So signed the lease in uh, January, opened in June, six months later. And it's just been an incredibly beautiful, wonderful experience since the day we opened challenging. It's a beast. We have um, 168 employees now probably have 200 once we get to summer, um, but just absolutely beautiful. 80% of our guests are not plant-based. They just heard we had great food and they wanted to check it out. And we know once they come once, they're coming back. So 
we are making a difference on that impact, um, uh, the impact on carbon and grain and water because the, you know, a plant-based diet is just so much, so <clears throat> less intensive on the environment and on those situations. So um, that, that's kind of the story of how I got from there to here. <laughs> That was it was loaded for sure, and you made you made a bunch of great points. One of which is the challenges. We'll we'll come back to that, um, you know, at some point in our conversation here. Um, since you've opened, your proof is in the metrics of the guests that you've served. Uh, as of yeah. recently, you've served over seven hundred thousand guests. From so, as Correct. far as running a business, that's incredible. Um, and yeah. what, what is it about Plant City that you think is just um, that's driving the success behind it? Is it the messaging that you were speaking of? Is it the, the social atmosphere? Um, how is how is this brand uh, differentiating itself from really any other? So I knew that it, it that had to have at least three things. The food had to be awesome, but I already knew that I was a fan. The environment had to be really cool. Well, lucky I'm a designer. I was an interior designer for 15 years. And even though this building was ugly as sin on the inside, a lot of white paint can make a big difference. <laughs> and um, and, and the, the patio was really cool. And, and then you have to have servers and people working with you who really want to be there. Right? We've all been to restaurants where the server doesn't really care that you're there or not or at a counter where they really don't want you to be there. And, and we had to do the opposite of that. We if you're going to drive forward with a mission and that's baked into who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, you damn well better be really good at it. And we try so hard at that. Are we perfect at it? No, it's this is a really challenging business. Do we try really hard? Yes. Damn straight. Every single day. Um, we've got great managers, our chefs, our line cooks, uh, right down mm -hmm. to our butlers and our drivers. Like, you know, we... Most of the young people that are working with us are part of this, you know, millennial Gen Z, that they don't want to work for people that aren't doing good work in the world, right? I mean, even the word social entrepreneur, I think in a few years from now, it's just going to be plain old entrepreneur. Because if you're not a social entrepreneur with a mission baked in and doing something good in the world, you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur. So, you know, great food, great atmosphere, fun servers, smart, intelligent, passionate about what we're doing. And it just makes a really fun vibe. You know, it's a, the music's awesome. The drinks are great. We have three full bars and it's just a fun place to be. Yeah. 700,000 guests in 21 months since we opened yeah. and, and only eight months we were open before we got hit with COVID. I mean, that's crazy. No, those are incredible numbers, but some of the numbers that I wanted to pop, uh, point out really popped out to us. So we read that, you know, during that same time, Plant City has also saved over 360 million gallons of water, 13 million pounds of grain, 10 million square feet of forest, 7 million pounds of carbon, and over 300,000 animal lives. Uh, yes. that's, that's some incredible stuff. And that is definitely should be one of the the focal points of this as well is just how much you're doing for the environment and for the planet. So how have you managed that and what actions have you taken to do to achieve those numbers? You know, there's this really thing on a cool thing online called the vegan calculator and you put in how many years or days or months you've been in a, a plant-based and I use the word plant-based instead of vegan because unfortunately there's some polarizing feelings about the word vegan and vegan is really how you live your whole life. Plant-based is how you eat. So um, that, that is a, a calculator that's what it's called and you can look it up and you just put in how many years you've been plant-based and it will tell you what your personal impact is on the environment i would love to add to those numbers we are 100 compostable 
So all of our packaging, all of our food scraps, we have very little trash. Um, we have diverted 175 tons of um, compost from the local landfill. We are also 100% wind powered. So again, it's trying to show that a sustainable food system is possible and can be really, really, really successful. You know, I've been to a couple of vegan restaurants over the years before and, and you know, sometimes they get this whole like peacenik Birkenstock vibe, right? I wanted to evolve from that and be a big brand um, that was just cool and clean and, and, and white and the food is the focal point. Um, we're also hundred percent palm oil free. That's a hard step. No, for me and our family, and we're hundred percent certified kosher. So, um, we are the only certified kosher food hall outside of Israel. Wow. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's incredible <laughs> Pretty stuff. Um, yeah, Kim, I think it's, and, and we oh, are the, world, we're the world's largest vegan restaurant in Providence, Rhode Island. Go figure. I did right? see that. I, yes. The, the world's largest. If I handed you guys a business plan two years ago that said I'm going to open up a 15,000 square foot plant based restaurant where there's no foot traffic and no parking, you would have thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> and in Providence, too, not even in like a, a metro but area Boston. like Boston, New York. Do you know what the second uh, largest is if you guys are, are claiming the first? I, I don't. I think one in Dubai is around 11 or 12, and there's one in San Francisco that's opening that's around 11 or 12. That makes sense. Interesting yeah. stuff. Um, I, I, and I think when, you know, there's a, an organization or a brand that's doing the things that you are, it's easy to, um, it's easy to say, you know, that look at them, they're doing so great. Uh, they're doing all these different, you know, large scale projects to be, become more sustainable, treat the planet a little bit better. Um, if we were to take that and scale it way down, and, um, you know, the people that say, oh, I can't change the world. I'm just one person. I can't contribute to these causes. You know, it's just, it's just me. <clears throat> what advice do you have for that one person um, with small changes that they can start to do in their everyday lives to, to feel that way? You know, I think if people just lean into plant-based and try some really good food, they'll, they'll, they'll see that it's delicious and it's healthy and they feel good and they're sleeping better and their mood is better. And, and yes, they're making a difference for the planet. And it does seem overwhelming, but if we could reduce 50% of the meat of 50% of the population of the world, right, it would have a dramatic effect on climate, regardless of who we find in the white house and Paris accords and all of that, uh, we can change those numbers on our own. And, but, and that's why I invest in things like beyond meat, right? only companies that can rapidly scale and move millions of people away from animal proteins. You know, it, it's this easy. If China's rising middle class decided tomorrow that they wanted to eat nine ounces of beef, which is the average meat, which is what the average American eats daily, we'd be screwed. It's plain and simple. Uh, and, and we would need five and a half more planets. We don't have five and a half more planets. And, Honestly, they will have the money to strip every forest and every rainforest to get the grazing land and to create the feed. And, and we won't be able to do anything about it as well as the bees. Um, and you can um, obviously understand that um, from the movie Seaspiracy, you know? Yes, I actually, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn, you were talking about Seaspiracy and I watched it last night. Really Definitely put a whole new perspective on the fishing industry, how people eat fish. Like that was just something that 
I've heard of fork over knife. I've heard of, you know, the ones that focus on the cows and the beef and that meat industry, but never saw the ethics side of the fish. And it really, it really made you um, think differently of it. And I remember watching whale wars all those years ago as a yeah. kid and they, yeah. you know, they, they touched upon it in the, in the documentary, but the whole industry as a whole, that was, that was something that was eye opening. It is eye opening. And that, that's the thing that I'm finding, right? There's a new movie out a year ago called The Game Changers. It's a James Cameron, Arnold Schwarzenegger film. It's supposedly the most downloaded documentary of all time. And it's really, it's fun. It's interesting. It's looking at a plant-based diet from the athletic perspective, the performance, recuperation, and general health and longevity. I mean, look at Tom Brady, right? He's going to play until he thinks until he's 45. I wouldn't bet against him. And who, who else is doing that, right? I've got people from the Providence Bruins, the Providence Friars, the Patriot, the New England Patriots coming regularly because these guys and women that are athletes, they know this. Like the science is settled. They know this. So how do we get that word out to everybody else, right? How do we get, and it's the movies, it's the documentaries. I did movie nights when I first learned about this because I have this thing in me that says, if you have valuable information, you have an obligation to share it with people. And so I did movie nights every other week for like six months. And I would invite 200 of my closest friends and 15 would show up. But 15 a week starts adding up, right? And that's how I got my 300 people that I helped move to this. And it's funny, a woman I just spoke with today, because I'm about to sign my third lease. She was the woman who did the inspection on my first location. And I called her today. And she goes, Kim, I had surgery, I was so sick. And I'm on your plant based diet. I've watched all your movies. And I feel so much better. Like I planted that seed in her three years ago, but it took her getting sick for it to start germinating. But okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a small changes, little by little. Um, we want to actually touch upon now the future of Plant City. You just mentioned a third lease. So would love to hear what the future of Plant City looks like. Sure. It's been it's been exciting because a lot of people have expressed interest in Plant City and expanding that. Originally, I thought I wanted to do that. I have now come to my senses and realized I do not want to be at this stage of my life the, the brain damage of building more plant cities. It is, it is a challenge every single day. It's, it really is hard. It's five restaurants under one roof, right? You can only imagine what that's like and the amount of people that we have and, and the amount of spinning plates and moving wheels. So I thought in the summer, and we are still working with a lot of people like this guy's coming up from Miami next week, you must build a plant city in Miami. I'm like, great, you build it. We'll give you all the, the how to and take a small royalty great, build it. I, I'm not going to be running them anymore. It's just too hard. And I grew up in Manhattan wants us to build one in, in, in Hudson Yards. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but I wanted to really rapidly scale. And this summer, when I was going into the fall with COVID, I was thinking, we're going to get killed. It's going to be really hard to survive. It's going to cost a lot of money to survive. And I'm not going to be able to keep all these employees. But what can I do? Like, what could I do to pandemic proof especially after Dr. Gregor told me, this isn't going to be the last one. How do you pandemic proof your business? And the more I read about the QSRs, quick serve restaurant industry, the ones with the drive-throughs were killing it, like killing it. They, they went up during the pandemic. They didn't go down. And that's even without any counter service or indoor service. It's just out the door. And our curbside drive, drive-by is we have our own app. And literally, if you sit there at lunch, they just like five, six cars pulling up, pulling out, the food comes out. We've got like a drive through in the front of Plant City right now. So I'm like, that's really what we need to do. And I found our 
Second location, our first PCX, Plant City X, X, X for ex, extra special or <laughs> extreme. Um, if SpaceX can do it, we can do, right? Yeah, um, fair enough. That's a very good point. Um, we, we, I got the idea in the fall. I found the location. We opened three months later after signing the lease in January. And it's been wonderfully successful. I mean, the first day, the line was a half mile down the highway. Um, so, so that was successful. And that was like proof of concept, right? I needed that to be successful. Not only was it successful in sales for us, but we have 30 employees there and it's been successful for them. We started them off at $12 an hour and our guests have been very generous and we're on a pooled tip situation, including the dishwasher and the prep cook and everybody's on the same. It's not just the servers. And um, they're walking away with, you know, 18, 19, $20 an hour. And that's really great pay for a young person who's getting their start in life and also getting a tremendous skill set um, uh, of just how to handle people and how to solve problems and, and all of that. So the template worked. And the goal is now I'm, I'm going to be opening up a second Plant City X in Warwick, I hope. Um, signed an LOI, letter of intent. Um, tomorrow morning that, that I get their signed copy back. We'll inspect and then hopefully open that one in three months. Can't tell you right now where it is, but I'd love to come back and be the first to tell you. And I invite you to join us for the private opening. Um, but this one is, is going to be a little bit different because I'm moving to a franchise model. Because I've spent the last three months since I opened or came close to opening Newport, driving around New England saying, ah, this can't be hard. I'm going to find restaurants with drive throughs with places where there's 30,000 or more traffic in good demographic areas. And I'll just build a lot of these. Three months later, nothing. I mean, the one in Warwick, I got lucky because somebody else was going to be taking it and they dropped out of the hunt. And my broker called me and said, this one is live again. There was nothing it was so frustrating. I said, you know what? We've got to, we got to pivot again, right? I feel like I've pivoted so much during COVID. I feel like I've drowned myself into the ground. <laughs> um, but that's what you have to do to be an entrepreneur, right? You know, two steps forward, one step sideways. And when that sideways goes, you turn around and follow it. And um, yeah, so we're working with it. We hired a guy who's a global franchise specialist. He built out uh, Mary Maid and some other companies. And we're working through the paperwork and the legal work of setting up all the documents and everything like that. And I'm hoping that in three or four weeks, we'll be able to go live and say, you know, who, who wants to franchise with us? And I'll by then have hopefully this one almost open and we'll have two sets of numbers to share with people. But the, the cool thing is that, you know, okay, it cost me 550000 600000 to retrofit a Papa Gino's in between a Taco Bell and a Burger King down in Middletown. Um, that had been empty for two years. And I love that whole retread old pro, uh, pro, um, projects. Um, but, but the bottom line of these restaurants is so successful that you can probably pay that back in one, one and a half years, and then it's a cash cow. So if this is something you believe in, I believe that we will have a lot of people coming to us and we will have our, ch our choice of who we want to open our first Plant City X's regionally, New England, New York, and then nationally and we've had people yeah approaching us from all over the globe wanting to do this that is very exciting and we love a private opening so we will take you up on that <laughs> when the time comes um before we wrap up here uh kim you know we know you do a lot of work uh, in the social entrepreneurship space but you're also on the board of social enterprise greenhouse in downtown providence um i was a changemaker fellow in 2017 I, I definitely can appreciate the work they do um yeah. So, and you kind of already touched on the importance of social entrepreneurship, but I would 
more gear this question to simply what advice do you have for people that are starting any business in today's society? And if you could tell us a little bit about your work with Everhope Capital too, um, in that regard. Sure, sure. So Social Enterprise Greenhouse, actually, Kelly Ramirez is amazing. She came and had coffee with me one day when we, we had Ava's business and she told me I was a social entrepreneur. I mean, what's that? I, I- <laughs> what the term was, right? I just knew I was using a business to change a, a, an issue. And um, she invited me to learn more. And I joined the board. I've been there for, I don't know, five years. Absolutely love this organization. We've put hundreds and hundreds of businesses through the accelerators. We've opened now in um, South Providence and Pawtucket and Newport, like the street fronts where people are that need to learn how to start a business. And they are all socially responsible businesses and entrepreneurs, right? So there's just so many different things. That, and, and one of the things I love is I met this kid, Billy, he was a Brown student and he was an, a wrestler and he took wrestling programs to inner city kids. And now he's like in like 400 high schools. I mean, it's, it's like starting something small that you know can scale and can make a difference. It's in the secret sauce of social enterprise greenhouses. We have like three or 400 mentors like me in the community that have had success in, a, in an area that they want to help slingshot these businesses so you know go find them on social media go zoom in on one of their pitch nights you'll be amazed at what people it's so encouraging these businesses that people are starting that really make a difference and matter um, and nonprofits as well are are really tremendously exciting so everhope capital so when i remember i told you we have a family office it's called everwatch capital And not everybody in the family office is an impact investor. So the Anderson family pulled our immediate families some funds out to create Everhope Capital. And Everhope is the arm that we do the impact investing for climate, um, specifically solar, renewable, carbon sequestration, battery storage, that kind of thing, and plant-based foods. We also have a foundation through Everhope where we support things like the Good Food Institute, um, Mercy for Animals. PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, like the people that are moving the needle on the policy side. And like the coolest thing that we support that I'm totally in love with is this lawsuit of 20 some odd young kids called Juliana versus the US government. And and as children under 18 that cannot vote, they um, have the legal right to sue the government because that's the only way that they can pursue life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And they are trying to show that that climate crisis is hurting their pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And if they win this suit, they actually have parameters and real hard numbers that they will, will be forced to stick to, which would be, it's a moonshot, but if it works, it'll be the best money we ever spent. Wow. Great stuff all around. Um, Kim, we really appreciate your time taking, uh, appreciate the time you're giving us talking about all of your endeavors, plant city, how people should consider plant-based diets and, you know, just going green as a whole. Uh, before we let you go, one little fun question. Give us your go-to order at the current main flagship store, Plant City. You know, what are what are your go-tos that everyone should uh, keep an eye out on the menu? And let's okay. please include a drink too, because that's uh, definitely going to be some popular. Uh, All right. So in here. New Burger on the first floor, I, I can never have anything else other than the chicken sandwich. Um, it's unbelievable and i once brought an old boyfriend to plant city to have lunch and he goes this place is really cool but i'd never eat tofu and i'm like hey idiot you're eating tofu and it's good (laughs) (laughs) whoever i had um so in in, um in double zero upstairs the italian restaurant i can't i can't get away from the pesto pizza 
it's so, so good. And we make 65, 70 sauces, cheeses and, and, um, and, um, and dressings every day by hand. And that's got this macadamia ricotta on it. That's incredible. Um, and then on the Italian side, I just absolutely love those nachos, you know, nachos and a, and a margarita, you can't go wrong. And um, we get these trays of corn tortillas from a local Mexican family that makes them in their own little tortilleria um, every single day. We get Rhode Island Mushroom Company beating a path to our door daily because when you only serve vegetables, you need a lot of mushrooms. And with a number two account in Rhode Island, Whole Foods, um, just so many, we love to use local, so many local vendors that we're um, really proud to partner with. But yeah, those were three of my favorites. And then Makeout, which stands for Matthew Kenny Takeout, is kind of like this buildable line and that's going to be reopening in a week or two and there's there's you can make any kind of bowl in there but i you know that there's six dressings in there that are absolutely amazing so go build a grain bowl it'll it'll blow your mind <laughs> beautiful my go-to's to the waffles i had the waffles for brunch a couple weeks ago those hit the spot perfectly um but all all good stuff around the menus the menu is fantastic thank you thank you but Kim, uh, thank you so much again. We appreciate it. Where can our listeners, you know, follow along your content, get some, uh, you know, visit Plant City, plug out any information regarding the brand and yourself. The floor is yours. Yeah. Instagram, Plant City X and Plant City Providence. So you're going to the food will really, really just make your day to see these beautiful, colorful dishes. And I just want to say one last thing. If it were not for Bryant College, I would not be here. My parents met at Bryant. Nice. And um, yeah. And my father-in-law was on the board and I do some teaching there with Kelly Ramirez through the social enterprise group. And I'm working with an entrepreneur group right now. So we're awfully lucky to have Brian in our midst. I sure am. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Thank you so much for spending the time. We appreciate it. Uh, check out Plant City Providence. Thank you again, Kim. We appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. You as well. And that was just Kim Anderson. Plant City Providence, a lot of cool stuff. I mean, it definitely makes you think about your own, you know, personal eating habits and how the world consumes food. Um, but when you look at her business model, I mean, it's it's booming. Like the state of Rhode Island and New England loves her. She's on to her third location with the possibility of franchising this across the East Coast and across the country. I mean, that's the right side of history you want to be on is oh what she's God. doing. Yeah, she's been, she's been doing real well. And the fact that she has people asking her to go run these stores as she made a comment with uh, earlier in the interview, like that's nuts and good for her. Um, I thought you had queued up our ad read so well. And then you talked about Kim's <laughs> business. So you were like, yeah, there's a, uh, you know, with people just talking about the food they put into their bodies. I thought you were hopping right into this goalie interview or this goalie ad. Well, so. I had another closing point about <laughs> healthy eating, which was going to lead into the ad read. But <laughs> That's fair enough. Either way, uh, before we get into the ball section, we have a new partner. If you've seen on social media, uh, we're teaming up with goalie nutrition to show you the new way to take apple cider vinegar shots. Um, if you're one that's trying to have a healthier lifestyle, you know, Anytime you look on social media and Google and you're doing your research, everyone's like apple cider vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Those shots suck. Those shots are not enjoyable. Uh, no, way, no, no, way, no matter how you try to mix it into your diet, they just do not taste Did well. Did you used to do that too? Because I've never oh, yeah. taken a shot. It was awful. Yeah. They were just not like, and they're supposed to be bad for your teeth too. If you yeah. take too much, you can like corrode your teeth. Like stains them too. Not good. Yeah. Not good. And you know, you know us, we drink a ton of craft beer. And when we're watching sports, we're not really eating the healthiest. We try our best, but 
you know, football Sunday spreads were getting a little bit too, too cheesy, too meaty, whatever it might be. Uh, so goalie vitamins though, they help balance out all of that and give you all the healthy nutrients that an apple cider vinegar shot provides. Uh, no more disgusting shooters, as we mentioned, and you get the same health benefits, even additional health benefits. Um, taste the apple, not the vinegar. It's packed with vitamin B9 and B12 to support those healthy metabolisms, immune systems, and overall health and energy. If you head to their website and use code the BBB pod, you get 10% off your order. So head over to goalie and use the code the BBB pod for 10% off. That is goalie.com, G-O-L-I, the BBB pod, 10% off. I can't wait. I just ordered mine. Um, I got those, uh, the, what is those, the ashwagandha gummies? Yeah, too. I got those too. I'm intrigued. Are they good? I haven't tried them yet. No, yeah. They're supposed to have massive health benefits. So I'm excited to try this. I have never taken shots of apple cider vinegar, but uh, the health benefits are off the charts, and I can't wait to start doing it. All right, balls. Um... What a weird tournament. What a weird March Madness we had. This was like teetering on a really shitty tournament. And then we get a lot of like miracle upsets and things like that. So, where, I mean, where do we start? There were a lot of upsets to, to kick things off. We, have, we actually haven't had an episode since the first round. And it was all... Um, it was like, you know, the most we saw was Oral Roberts make a run. We saw Abilene Christian win a game. Obviously, we saw UCLA. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, I mean, weird tournament overall. I don't know what you have uh, to say about it. but Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of, lot of big upsets. Uh, you know, Maryland over UConn. UConn not making the biggest That's run. True, was It definitely shocked a lot of people. Alabama losing. Um, Texas losing and then losing Shaka Smart. That I think that yeah. was just a surprise. Not only the the collateral from March Madness with like the different teams winning and surprising, but the coaching carousel that happened right after. I mean, UNC wasn't a heavy favorite by all means, and Wisconsin, you know, proved their value and and made a a, a small little run or at least competed rather, but they lost. You know, they lost Roy Williams out of that. He retired after thirty three years. Um, thirty three years. Sounds yeah, thirty three. He yeah. was um, he was in the league for man a lot. He was at Kansas before. That's crazy. And they dropped that on April Fool's yeah, Day. How which was dumb just are wild. you? Come on. And then SIDs. at the same day, the same day, Kansas's coach signed a lifetime contract. <laughs> yeah, Bill Self. Right which after was just that. wild. Um, but Shaka Smart heading to Xavier. No, Marquette. I mean, Marquette, sorry, I was thinking Captain Xavier was probably hyped, but Marquette, <laughs> um, kind of interesting. I mean, that kind of like, was the was he getting the boot out of the door in Texas after losing? I don't know. It's not out of the question. But that was just a weird move. He, his ass would have been on the hot seat, though. Yeah. Like, this would have been the make or break year for Shaka Smart to say, mm-hmm. like, all right, if you don't win anything, dude, you're out of here. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to talk, we're going to touch on the biggest one. I mean, UCLA. Oh, my God. The Pac-12 in general, you know, hats off to the Pac-12. They, uh, you know, Bill Walton was kind of low-key right. I mean, there wasn't four, there wasn't, there wasn't the entire Final Four there, but. Well, he actually, in his Final Four, he had five Pac-12 teams. Which, yeah. (laughs) Even though two of them were on the same side. Yeah. There's not five teams in the Final Four. He's, uh, he's an oddball himself, but UCLA, they were dancing. Oregon State too. I mean, they they, yeah, they put, looked pretty. They good. looked pretty good. I um, I will say that UCLA, like they were definitely the most surprising team for me of uh, this entire thing. I mean, they were. You had their point guard Tiger Campbell, the dude with the. Uh, do you even call them dreadlocks? I don't know what they are, but 
just the, the raggedy ass hair balling absolutely balling he's facilitating the offense he's making shots he's dishing it off really well this dude was committed to DePaul at one point that's fucking embarrassing <laughs> but also on the flip side that's really good for him because he's he just went and showed out on the biggest stage there was and he's like you know screwed screwed DePaul screw the Big East I can go make a name for myself in the Pac-12 and it took a, a wild buzzer beater to, to knock him off. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, when they tied up the game with like 10 seconds left or whatever it was, I'm like, okay, they can go into double overtime. Do I expect them to win in double overtime? Probably not. It wasn't even 10 seconds. It was like three. Well, no, no. By the time he got the ball after they scored, there was three seconds left. Yeah. And that's when uh, Suggs oh hit the God. game winner. But they also just did not put any pressure on him. I know. It's like, at least if you foul him, like they'll – he may go two for two at the line but one or two you still win the game yeah you're not so the, the it's a weird line because you're you're not supposed to even come close to him really but at the same they token just, it's the, like i mean it wasn't a half court shot but like he was touching the logo oh my god so and that's a shot my point was going to be that Suggs practices that shot yeah he like his eyes lit up and goes oh my god i make this every day in practice like i can do this right now he knew it he knew it offhand is that nuts I mean, it didn't really help the next <laughs> later that later that week. Yep. Whopped on Monday night. Yeah, that was just. I knew after Baylor, you know, triumphed over Houston that they were going to cover the five point spread. I had that. I had them in the. I had the double double result, but having Baylor up at half, Gonzaga winning. Oh. That was just embarrassing for Gonzaga. That was, it was a non competitive game. Non competitive and. <laughs> All right, you can still have the argument that they're one of the best college college teams ever. I don't care anymore because it's like you did not have that undefeated season and you did not keep it any but close in the final game where it mattered the most. Yeah, I agree. That like sucks. if they lost by three or five or even a buzzer beater that they just provided to UCLA, you know, hats off to Baylor. Like that was a that was a good showing on both teams, but you know, Baylor just had the luck of the draw there. They were at one point losing by 25 points. Like, that's just unacceptable for the historic season you had. Yeah. That's not good. And Mark Few, I, I would hate for this to take away from the what he's accomplished. I think it naturally will, which sucks. Easily. I mean, it's already, it's already forgotten. We're on to the Masters. But. I know, it's true. He doesn't... Um, I don't know. I've got nothing more to offer on them. It's a weird situation because Baylor just absolutely dominated them. They were very good defensively. I think Davion Mitchell is going to be a great fit for the Celtics, mind you. I think he's going to be good. He has no relation to Donovan Spider? Mitchell, no, right? I don't think I mean, so. He, I just saw Donovan Mitchell wearing his jersey and he was making fun of him. He's like, oh boy, you're small. This is a small <laughs> jersey, but I wasn't sure if there was any relation. I don't think so. That would be the first I heard. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one living under a rock. I don't really know, but... Um, is that your biggest surprise team to make a run, UCLA? Or do you have anything else? Mm, I mean, Oregon had some flashes. They upset Iowa. That was uh, yeah, yeah, that was they, an interesting one. And that was interesting because you can't... I guess you can call them a surprise team, but they had their first game canceled. They won a no contest. They won one nothing against VCU. Yeah. Uh, Michigan going as far, you know. Yeah, I talked about that with Cap. Yeah, I had Michigan kind of bouncing out early, and it ended up being... Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else that was a surprise? Well, I'll give you mine. I'm going to say Houston. I was, yeah, Houston. Houston, Houston was. I, I came in very suspect about them. I wasn't really sure, you know, where they'd, uh, you know, stack up in the grand scheme of things. And then they, 
I mean, honestly, their biggest test was Rutgers. Um, they, they almost, they, they damn well should have lost that game. And then mm-hmm. you got to figure all these Rutgers fans are like, oh, it should have been us in the Final Four. It's like, and you still have to beat all those teams. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Rutgers could have done it. I think they could have, but um, they played great D. They just picked up a couple of transfers for next year, too. I think everybody's coming back for Kelvin Sampson. They got killed by Baylor, but we all saw that coming. I mean, Baylor is Baylor. And I, I, I don't know that uh, Dejan Giroux was the point guard, and he was just corralling like every miss. He was making a bunch of threes. Hats off to Kelvin Sampson. I suppose you can't really doubt someone that coached at Indiana. So um, that, that's going to be my surprise. It kind of, sounds kind of stupid for a two seed, but I thought they were going to have to face Illinois and get killed by him. And then Illinois just laid an egg against Loyola. That was a big surprise, too. I think Loyola winning again. My <laughs> is high on uh, Georgia Tech. My biggest surprise out of the tournament, the news that came out of that, the transfer portal. I think this was a very just hot transfer portal in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And St. John's, a tournament team. Oh, God. Not a tournament team. Um, No, they're they're a Big East tournament team. Yeah, Big East tournament. They were a bubble team. Bubble. They are, what, eight guys in the portal now? Yeah, that's what I was reacting, oh, God, to. Eight guys? Oh, my God. It's uh, eight. Yeah. Like, that's tough. That is tough. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very tough. I don't know what they're going to do. They have uh, two starters coming back. One potentially might not be. He might get drafted. <laughs> Julian Champagne. He might get drafted. I don't know. A uh, lot of stuff going on in the Big East, too. That's for another day, maybe when Fanta comes back on. Um, baseball's back. How about that? Full season. Fans in the stadium. Full capacity in Texas. Wild. 25% pretty much anywhere else. Couple of big storylines here besides our Yankees. Um, we'll start with Nick Castellanos. He was <laughs> thrown out of the game and suspended because he slid into home plate, stands over the pitcher who tagged him, and he said something to him. He definitely just screamed in his face. I mean, he, he flexed. I know he flexed and was. He probably said like "fuck you" or something. And then it was just the classic like. They always, like, you get the the headline grab of benches clear. It's like you have a couple guys that, like, come out. They shout at each other, a couple of shoves, and that's it. I love the the quote he said afterwards when he was, like, you know, after the whole scuffle, he, like, talked to Yadier Molina. And then, like, in the presser, he was just like, yeah, Yadier Molina can, like, punch me in the face. I'd still ask him for an autograph. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's true. That's true. But yeah. it was something out of nothing or nothing out of something, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> He had a two-game suspension, but he's been hot lately. He like, has. I mean, he is just driving the ball. He is all over the place. He is. He's looking good. The I Reds are looking it. good, which is surprising. Yeah, I thought Arenado was gonna was gonna do something to him. I thought Arenado yeah. was gonna come over and punch him in the face, but I guess not. Um, so Castellanos is suspended, and then you've got a few different guys that are rookies. Um, I want to start with Akil Badu on. The the Detroit Tigers, he was a Rule 5 draft pick back in the offseason by the Minnesota Twins. And Rule 5 draft is basically, you don't have a guy on your 40-man roster because you're not going to play him. Well, any other team can grab him, but they have, have to, to put keep him on, him on the 25 roster, or 26, whatever it is this year. This dude gets up there. He homers on the first pitch of his career. He hits a grand slam in his second game. And then he hits a walk-off in his third game. Um, obviously this success doesn't stay for, for long, right? It's not like he's going to, this is going to be his whole career, but how cool is that to just like get 
your team has no faith in you, you get picked up by another one, they're like, all right, we're going to have to start you, dude. And he just shows out. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> the uh, the the White Sox in general, they because they lost Aloy Jimenez, right? That's yeah. who got. Well, he's hurt. on the uh, Badu's on the. Oh no, no, no we're talking yeah. about Badu. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. Mercedes in a second. Um, because yeah. I was just gonna like I was just thinking about the I was lost in the moment about their Twitter post when Aloy Jimenez got hurt. Oh and, my god! Yeah, but we'll start dumb. with Badu. I mean, good for the Tigers. Um, you know, it started out funny with their opening, you know, their opening game where it was like snowing. And that's what happens when you have like opening day in like March and April and these teams like in the north and Midwest north and stuff like that. Like Miguel Cabrera hit the home run and then he slid into second because he couldn't see. Um, and I feel bad for Miguel Cabrera because I was like, I want him to have the chance to like compete somewhere. But, you know, young guys like him are, you know, providing that like, hey, <sighs> the, driving you know, the, the Tigers could... And again, way too early, but they could make a run. And uh, it's crazy to see that kind of success too. And like you mentioned, like, you know, the success will run dry, but today he has the chance to start and left. He's batting seven or six. Like he's, you know, he's here to stay for the, for the, for the time being. Yeah. Two homers, seven RBIs and a stolen base. So he's five for 11 going into today. Not bad. That's really good to start off. And then speaking of good starts too, you have Yerman Mercedes and <laughs> ridiculous, the White Sox. They post, they all line out for team pictures, or excuse me, they all line oh, up. The opening for, day lineup. Right, it was the opening day lineup, and when somebody dies that's important, they take their jersey out, they take their cleats out, and they, you know, honor them, maybe a moment of silence, maybe something nice for the player. They took Eloy Jimenez's cleats, his jersey. They signed all over it, they like messages. They signed it, and they brought him out and said, gone but not forgotten, basically. How dumb! He's not dead. He, for those that don't know, he tore his pectoral muscle. He'll he's be gonna back. be out. Of, yeah, he's gonna be out in a couple months. <laughs> he's but probably like in the dugout while they're doing this. It was just embarrassing, and it's just like he's all not the, dead. All the White Sox people that are just like, you know, we're the best team in the AL, and we have this improved team, young talent, great pitching, yada yada yada. It's like that is a stupid move. It I'm is. sorry, but. <laughs> On the contrary, the guy that took his place for the time being, uh, at least his roster spot, Yerman Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Eight for eight in his first eight at-bats. I think he struck out his ninth, but... <laughs> I mean, to go eight for eight, and what is he, a catcher? Um, What the hell does he play? I, I have a feeling he is an outfielder, but I am not sure. No, he's a catcher, DH, and he can play first, too. So, I mean, pretty much they have <laughs> a second coming of Yasmin Grandal. You say Yasmin Grandal? Yasmani Grandal? <laughs> Same shit. Either way, the White Sox, I mean, young kid that's just making an absolute name for himself, starting off incredibly hot. Um, it'll, see, it'll be interesting to see how long he can keep this up, but, you know... First go around, good for him. Yeah, and really cool stuff for Mercedes too. He's 28 years old. He was signed for 20 grand back in March 2011 for the Dominican League, and he worked his ass off. He really did. He got so much better, um, and and he's here. He's here, and if he's got anything to say about it, he's going to stay. Uh, you hit the ball really well. That's your token, especially in the AL where there's a DH spot, a little bit more flexibility to move around. Um, this really cool stuff from the White Sox. I just hope that. He doesn't tear his pectoral muscle and die <laughs> like Jimenez supposedly did. I literally did so many double takes. Like, I was wait, like, is Jimenez dead? dead? Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. Die? It was crazy. 
And speaking of the DH spot, Nelson Cruz, 40 years old, absolutely hammering what the ball. What is he doing? I haven't even seen. Is well, he's he... back with the Twins. Yeah. Oh, I know um, that, but is he doing well? He hit like a grand slam, another walk-off home run. Oh, no. Um, he's been incredible. What oh, is it? Oh, my God. He's hitting 538. Yeah, 538 first. with three home runs, seven hits, 13 Seven for 13. That's nuts. Like 40 years old, the guy's still kicking it. almost a 2,000 OPS. <laughs> guy's kicking it. He is, and I just, I, I've never liked him for some reason. I really don't know. I don't know. Hey, he's a founder of youth. <laughs> that guy really doesn't get hurt. No, and you look at his stats, <laughs> he just keeps getting better. Yeah. He goes from 256 in 2018 to 311 in 2019 and 303 in 2020. And now he's in 538 to start the year. It's insane. I hate that so much, but he you got to figure he's up there. Yeah, he's got 420 homers. I mean... Active, that's got to be top five. Actually, I think he might be the the MLB's leading active, you know, home run person. Or maybe actually Pujols. So it's Pujols, Cabrera, and Nelson Cruz, and then Robbie Cano, and then Jay Bruce right after. Brucey. And speaking of Jay Bruce, the New York Yankees, uh, that's, that's our team. We got to talk about them. We got to spend the minutes. Interesting couple of moves lately. Um, yeah, first of all, Luke Voigt's hurt, the starting first baseman. So you got Jay Bruce, the, the Cincinnati Reds and former uh, New York Met first baseman and outfielder. Big boy, first of all. I did not realize he's that big. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to be the starting first baseman now. Hit a nice homer on Tuesday. Thought that was pretty cool. Um, but Jay Bruce, he, he's going to be hitting seventh and starting. Yeah, no, I mean... As long as he can produce, I'm happy about it. A uh, couple weeks prior to the season, I wrote out a quick blog to see who the final four spots were going to be for the roster um, in terms of Mike Talkman, Tyler Wade, Jay Bruce, and Derek Dietrich. Three out of the four ended up making it with Luke Voigt being hurt. They kept Talkman because he was out of options, so it was either trade him or release him, and that guy would have been snatched up immediately. Um, and he offers great speed. He's actually playing a little first base too, which is very interesting. Keeps yeah. his versatility. But Jay Bruce, I mean, he has a place in the team for now. And then Derek Dietrich is going to be in the alternative site. That's what he's at right now. Um, he could still get picked up by another team, but the Yankees kind of have a plan for him per se. But then all of a sudden, yesterday, they traded for Ruffin Dodor from the Rangers. Yeah, Rugnet Odor. Yep. What the fuck? I was shocked. I mean, second baseman, lefty bat, most well-known for the, the uh, delivering punch to Jose Bautista a few years back. It was actually in his goodbye graphic with the Rangers. He got traded for a pair of prospects. One of them was uh, Stowers, I believe his last yeah, name Josh, was. Yeah, Josh, is, is Stowers, Stowers or Stowers? He's a good outfielder. But he, he was part of the trade for yeah. Sonny Gray. Yep. Um, but the Yankees are not paying any of his contract. It's two years, $27 million left. I don't know. I don't know where he fits. I mean, it gives that lefty bat, but he's had a nosedive of production offensively. He's a solid defender, so I guess you can say he can be you know, that backup second baseman if now we move DJ to first and Gio can play short. I don't know. Who is going to get moved on the team to make that happen? Like my guess right now, it has to be Tyler Wade, because it's like yeah, fuck. Him. But then again, though, it's like that means Geo has to be the backup shortstop or 
DJ and Jay Bruce needs to stay healthy and all, a lot of things need to happen for like Odor to even be a part of this team. Yeah. Uh, the first move was to DFA Tyro Estrada, which is kind of kind of shitty because yeah, he's been. I get it. I mean, he's been part of this process, and now every year he you you see him at least for fifty at bats. He comes up and plays a few games. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but. It could be the second coming of Odor, according to Cashman. I mean, he finds these guys like Gio, Luke Voigt, Mike Talkman, um, and rejuvenates their careers, even though they're a little bit younger. It'll be, uh, it'll be quite interesting. Well, how do you like the theory that the Yankees just needed a tough guy? <laughs> and that Brett Gardner hasn't been functioning as a tough guy as he should. Yeah, and Stanton and Judge get hurt. By they're like, not tough guys. No. no way. They're just seven feet tall. They are the total opposite of tough guys. Like Luke, they... Luke Voigt's our tough guy. Yeah, I suppose. Because who else? Like, is Chapman our tough guy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not CC because he's gone. He, I think, all right. He was the tough guy. He was the tough guy. He was the tough guy. There was no sure. questions about it. And then when he departed last year. So was he the best tough guy in the, like, from 2010 to 2020? Was he not only the tough guy, but the best they've had in that point? I think so. I can't name you another one. Not A-Rod. Not A-Rod. A-Rod was Not soft. Not A-Rod. Not. But that sparks a question to the Yankees. Are they better when they have a tough guy on their team? I would like to think so. I mean, what have we shown, if we're going to say, from the past 10 years? Nothing. Well, 10 years, exactly. And what do the Yankees have to show for it? Nothing. A couple of playoff wins. That's it. So maybe they, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that they don't have a tough guy. Because before, think about it. 2009 is the last championship. Posada's your tough guy. Posada's going out, and he's going to... Giambi. Yeah. Oh, my God. Giambi would, would have kicked the fuck out of somebody. Before that, you had guys like Paul O'Neill. Yeah. Right? Who would go out, and if he you even looked at Paul O'Neill wrong, he'd go and punch you in the face. But they're good tough guys. Yeah, they're good. And same with CeCe. They're good players. Like, <laughs> like Odor is like, all right, this guy's going to be like, what, batting 118, and he's going to bark at you? Yeah. Like yeah, at least just punch you in the face. At least you have Chapman who can like besides his blown saves can throw 105. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw 106 miles an hour yeah. and like and if you look at him wrong, he might swing at you. I don't know. I think for nothing else if he just goes and talks some shit to pitchers like, you know, I what I would kill for is an at bat for Trevor Bauer and Rugnet Odor. I'd love for it. Tre Trevor, Trevor Bauer would say something dumb and Odor would look at him and just be like, "I'm going to fucking murder you." My money's on Odor, too. I mean, yeah. He's a terrible hairline. You see that? <laughs> Who, Odor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That they also... Did you see the edit where they had the... Somebody yeah. photoshopped Odor, what he would look like in a Yankees uniform, and they just, like, painted took Microsoft over, yeah. paint over his beard? But you say the Yankees posted the photo with him in it, with his beard. Yeah. They, did, I mean, they, they always do. They always do, but, like, that guy just has a very oh, long it's a, beard. Oh, that's a massive beard. Yeah. That should be one that you don't post. I'm right with you. Um, I mean, other news in the Yankees, Garrett Cole looked hot. He did. He 13, looked really good on Tuesday night. 13 strikeouts for him. I mean, Aaron Judge, hopefully he's healthy. I don't know. Him and John Carlo are just playing, like, the let's sit out game, according to, you know, our skipper Aaron Boone, <laughs> who's just like, oh, yeah, these guys need rest. It's like we are five days into the season. Yeah. We are five days into the season. No one played at spring training. He's What lying. is this rest? He's been lying. What is this fucking rest? I'm I have tired. no doubt that he's lying somehow i'm gonna put it on the record now yankees don't make the world series i'm done with boone that's fine i'm done there's people that are already done with boone you know and they're not out of pocket by saying that 
Joe Girardi wins one game, gives a shit about his players, fights for his players. Oh, no, not Joe. Stop. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. He wins one World Series. He's one game away from the World Series <sighs> after the Astros cheating, and he got the can. And we have Aaron Boone, who just lies about the health of these guys and hasn't had anything to show for it. All right, two 100-win seasons, and you make the playoffs last year. You lose to all the guys that go to the World Series. What are we doing here? I get it. I definitely get just it. Just frustrating. It's just... It is just frustrating. Like the window is now, especially when you're going to have like now we're going to have to start paying guys like Judge, Glaber, Luke Voigt, Gio, Gary. Like we're not going to have this team for much longer. And we're not going to like if you're not going to spend the money and go over the tax threshold, something needs to happen. I agree. I agree. We're, we're going to have a lot more baseball talk. We'll follow it more and we'll see how our Yanks are doing. And we'll talk about some stuff from around the league. Um, we'll do a quick master's pick and then we'll go into positivity corner. Do you know yours? Cause I know who I'm taking this week. Um, and honestly only because Jim Nance said it this week. Well, I am not about, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Oh no, not taking him. Not taking him at all. He's the favorite in every tournament and he loses every, every tournament. tournament. I am so <laughs> He's the worst person stand far on. away from him. Yeah. I was originally thinking Brooks, but now he has like a surgically repaired knee. Yeah, what's up like, with him? Is he going to play? He's going to play, but he literally can't bend certain directions. Yeah, and this is like, Augusta's bad. not the course that you can like have like a bum knee. You can't mail it in. Um, I think my safe pick would be Dustin Johnson repeating. Okay. I like that. I think a bet that I'm going to make is I'm all on the Jordan Spieth comeback tour. Oh, yeah, tour. That's, that's mine. Yep. And my, I want this on the record because I'm <laughs> I'm about it. Max Homa at like plus eight thousand is my oh, dark horse. Oh, that, that is a major dark horse. Plus Max eight thousand, I'm all about that. It's plus eight thousand. Well, at that point, I'll just give my dark horse for Phil. Yeah, but what's like? <laughs> he's also plus eight thousand. Yeah, I mean, I always throw in like a couple dollars for the guys like that because it's like if they hit like oh what, yeah five bucks to win four thousand. Yep. I think my favorite is Jordan Spieth. He's playing great golf. He just won that tournament last yeah. week, too. I think if there was a time that he's going to go back-to-back, it's right now, honestly. Uh, take me back to 2016 where he was doing that all the time. Um, but that's why I kind of like Dustin Johnson because it's I know, like, I do like DJ. He's like, the ma- we're not talking a year ago. Like, he won the Masters, what, November, uh, December? A January, few months ago. Four months ago. Like, that's like, he's still in that form, still in that pedigree. That's a tough... That's a, another tough course to do that on, though. You can't go, you can't go like that, right? You can't win two Masters in a row. And if you do, I mean, I don't know how many people have done that. Probably just Tiger, honestly. <laughs> That's like the only thing that I can think of. Um, Dark Horse. I know that I just said Phil. I am not confident in that whatsoever. So give me shit. I don't know what I want. Maybe Patrick Cantley is the Dark Horse. I saw him make his amateur debut in Connecticut way back. Love the way he played. He was doing really well. He was like going to be one of the only amateurs to even place at the end of the Travelers Championship. And he had a decent year last year. It was um, He had some pretty good, um, I guess, you know, outings. I think in Masters he might have done well too. So, I don't know. That's my long-winded answer saying I'm taking Spieth. And I'm pretty confident here. Um, do we have Positivity Corner? So out of New York City, we have a teen who's making bow ties for shelter dogs to help them look spiffy and get adopted. I love it already. So, I mean, that's just, that's fun. Um, Darius Brown and his sister, Deja, uh, they taught each other how to sew at a young age. 
and they started sewing some things, some clothes, some random stuff. And then one day they noticed that uh, there was a high influx on dogs not being adopted, which is just a uh, terrible reality that's happening every day. So when he learned about this, that people, that dogs are homeless at a home, at a animal shelter, he wanted to create bow ties for them to help them look spiffy like a job interview to help them get adopted. So he is working with New York City's ASPCA um, and creating these bow ties for the dogs. And I'm just looking at the pictures now. I mean, like I want to adopt all of them. Like this is just the cutest <laughs> thing. Um, in honor of National Dog Day 2, that was a couple weeks ago. He's been doing that. And now he's sewn over 600 bow ties for rescue animals. And he's even doing it in Washington, D.C. and eight other states as well. Um, so he's been doing incredible stuff, trying to help the influx of adopting dogs and making that more of a, a pressing issue that people should, you know, they always say like adopt, don't buy, you know, help out the people that the dogs that are at those shelters. And I love the idea. Spiff them up. Spiff them off. So are they, I wonder if they're, so are they just like, that's like when the parents come to adopt them and they're just kind of scouting them out, right? Or like the pictures before when like oh, they're yeah, posting sure. like, yeah, like a know, pet finder or something. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Um, I'm ready to buy a few of them. Dogs or bow ties? Well, I was going to say dogs, but I mean, I suppose a bow tie works too. <laughs> um, that's all we have for this week. That was episode 46. Again, goalie.com. Use code THEBBBPOD. We're going to give you 10% off your order of apple cider vinegar gummies. That's all for this week. Join us next week for our one-year celebration. Thanks for everybody that's sticking by. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long. Take it easy. Take it easy.